Hello and welcome to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the number one result on Google for Autonomous Cars podcasts. Twice a week, we'll discuss the products, technology, law, policy, and societal impacts of autonomous vehicles as they bring about the greatest step change in humanity since the Industrial Revolution. I'm Mark Hogue, a California licensed attorney turned entrepreneur, and I've spent the past eight years founding and running two startups. I attended UCLA, Go Bruins, where I spent nearly the entire first four years on a mostly engineering track before finally graduating with an econ degree in my fifth year. I've become a recognized expert in the autonomous vehicle space, and you can find me on all social media channels at Autonomous Hogue, and of course my website, markhogue.com. Today, the 29th of January, 2019, episode 78. Florida considers allowing autonomous cars without human test drivers. We do a pretty deep dive into the technical ins and outs of LiDAR and why it's so tricky to get them to extend their range. And another idiot sleeps in his Tesla while under the control of autopilot. All this right now. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Kick things off today, we go back to Florida. And I say back because if you remember the last couple episodes, we discussed one David New in Florida who was requesting introductions to folks at Ford's Argo.ai and specifically to Waymo's CEO, John Krafsik. So a huge thank you to Alex Roy for reaching out to me by telephone yesterday. Yes, that Alex Roy, as in Alex Roy 144 on Twitter. So uh, thanks so much for reaching out and being willing to connect with Mr. David New. I hope your discussions prove fruitful, and you're able to help facilitate and indeed fast-track autonomous cars to Florida as quickly as possible. Which leads us, of course, perfectly into today's first segment. So Florida is considering allowing autonomous vehicle testing without a human test driver, or at least without one necessarily fully paying attention. They'd be allowed to, I don't know, watch Netflix, play video games, or take a nap. Obviously, I'm not going to dive into the debate points on either side of this. It's either a really great idea or a really terrible, no good, awful idea, depending on your point of view. What I do want to discuss, though, is an analogy that occurred to me uh, while speaking with Alex on the phone yesterday. I realize it's a bit of a weird analogy, but just bear with me. It requires, however, just a bit of uh, backstory. If you missed the last couple episodes, frankly, it'll be a lot easier if you just go and listen to them. Um, but very, very briefly, David was hit by a really horrific disease 18 years ago. He lost his eyesight, his hearing. He got paralyzed from the neck down. Suffice to say, his, he was effectively rendered totally unable to get from A to B. Uh, and so he's been working to fast-track autonomous cars uh, to enable folks around the world with disabilities so they can once again, as I like to say, self-mobilize. So you can see where I'm going with all this, right? Um, the analogy that I came up with was medical drug testing. So I don't know too much about the space in rigorous detail, but 
What little I do know, it seems to be the case that certain drugs will, af- will, will absolutely be tested on folks, at least with terminally ill uh, ailments. Um, and this, of course, is that final human testing stage of the trials, right? So yes, there's a big risk to testing drugs, because of course there is. But obviously, if you are terminally ill, and if there's even a small but decidedly non-zero chance that this particular experimental drug may help you, well, of course you're going to want to test it, aren't you? And of course there's a huge incentive, a huge value to allow such testing of drugs on terminally ill patients. Well, um, and as I say this out loud, I'm realizing where the analogy is going to break down and fail terribly, but I'm still going to say it anyway. Uh, I think there is an argument to be made that if we can allow the testing of autonomous cars such that their deployment is indeed fast-tracked, as it were, to help folks with disabilities get from A to B, just to live at least some semblance of an ordinary life. Because again, the inability to just get yourself out of your house to some destination, to the market, to a cafe, to a friend's house, this completely ruins your life. And if you've never experienced it or know anyone else who has, you can't possibly understand, even though you think you can, the extent to which it's, yeah, your life is completely and utterly ruined. So there is an argument, I think, to be made. Yeah, by all means, if autonomous vehicles are at least safe enough, you know, once some threshold is, first of all, obviously defined and established, and once it can be shown that autonomous vehicles are at least that good, even if they're not ready yet for primetime use for all people in the public realm, Maybe there's an argument to be made. Let them at least start to be tested for folks with disabilities if those folks would like to uh, participate in the, in the test and if they realize and accept, of course, all the risks. I mean, you know, obviously, uh, yeah, there's a lot, there's lots of ifs, buts, and unknowns and uncertainties and certainly a lot of questionable uh, points beyond what I'm suggesting here. But I think there is something at least behind the argument that it's worth mentioning. Now, obviously, yes, I realize this kind of breaks down when, when you realize that, yeah, by virtue of testing a thing which is unproven, of course, now you risk other folks on the road. Yeah, obviously, I get that. That's why I said it's important to have a defined threshold above which the cars have to prove themselves sort of they've met the minimum criteria, as it were. But um, yeah, that's kind of all I want to say about that, really. Just um, do let me know your thoughts. Again, you can reach out to me through my website, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, even through anchor.fm. You can leave me a voicemail. Um, what do you think? I mean, is there an argument to be made or are there more arguments against this idea that, hey, yeah, why don't we allow uh, autonomous cars to be tested uh, once they're at least at some threshold of safety for folks who really, really need it? Let me know what you think. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So as promised, I'm going to do a sort of mini deep dive into the technical difficulties of getting LiDAR just right. And when I say technical difficulties, I mean really the difference as between using 905 nanometer LiDAR versus 1550 nanometer LiDAR and why this is such a big deal. Uh, really, it's a question about why is it you can't get high resolution, long distance LiDAR at low cost. Now, I realize for many of you, this is probably common knowledge, but hopefully for the majority of you anyway, this is new information. You'll find it quite interesting. So let's dive in with a 
bit of high school physics recap. So you've got the electromagnetic spectrum, right? At one end, you've got things like gamma rays and X-rays, very, very small wavelength and therefore high frequency and high energy. And on the other end, you've got things like microwaves and radio waves, so very large wavelengths, very low frequency, very low energy. Uh, if you remember, the visible portion of the electromagnetic spectrum that we can see, the visible light from sort of red on one side to, to you know, deep purple on the other side, that visible portion just makes up a very, very, very narrow band of the EM spectrum. Right, so LiDAR operates currently in two different flavors. There's 905 nanometers and there's... 1550 nanometers. So this kind of places LiDAR right kind of in the far infrared and extremely high frequency range of the EM spectrum. So 905 nanometers, well, it turns out that it works pretty well. Actually, it works very well. The problem is, and I say very well, it's also relatively inexpensive, at least as between those two flavors. Um, the problem is that it needs to have its power output limited when I say power output, I mean, effectively, the brightness, if you will, of LiDAR at 905 nanometers has to be artificially limited. Why? Well, it turns out that if this stuff hits your retina for at a high enough power at a long enough duration, it will effectively cook your retina. And apparently, digital cameras, too, as we learned at CES, but that's a whole other story. Anyway, so as a result, 905 nanometer LiDAR needs to have its power output limited. Its brightness has to be artificially limited, which means it can produce a really nice high-resolution image, but it, it's tricky to get it far enough so that it's useful for vehicles, including and especially large vehicles like trucks, traveling at freeway speeds, right? Because you've got to make sure that the LiDAR goes far enough down the road, say two, three, four hundred meters or whatever, uh, to make sure that there's ample room for a vehicle to come to a stop. So that's the problem with 905 nanometers. You're probably wondering why this is so popular. Well, it's because it's very, well, it's relatively inexpensive, at least compared to 1550 nanometers. 1550 nanometers, in contrast, well, it turns out that the, the various layers of your eyeball, your, let's see, your cornea, your lens, the, um, what's it called? The, the, the vitreous humor, the, the liquid in the eyeball between, say, the lens and the retina, these are all effectively opaque to light at 1550 nanometers. Translation, 1550 nanometer LiDAR does not even reach your retina. And therefore, the power output doesn't need to be limited, at least not as much. In fact, the power output of 1550 nanometer light can be a whopping 40 times, that's four zero, greater than the power output from 905 nanometer light. Again, the problem though is simply that, that it's just too expensive. But, but on the plus side, well, because you can crank the power output, the brightness, if you will, of 1550 nanometer light, uh, well, this means it's got a much greater range down the road. This would be a much easier solution to get right. Real quick, with respect to cost, in case you're wondering why, so as a reminder, LASER is actually an acronym, right? It stands for, let's see, the Light Amplification by Stimulated Emission of Radiation. So... Whatever medium is inside of a laser, and then there's an electric current run through it, the stimulation of photons from whatever medium is in that, in that laser itself um, 
the material dictates the wavelength of the light that comes out of it. So certain materials will make, say, red lasers, some will make blue lasers, or in the case here that we're discussing, some will produce 905 nanometers, some will produce 1550 nanometers. Well, the cost of your laser is effectively dictated by the medium used to produce that particular wavelength of light. And, well, again, it just turns out that producing 905 nanometers is simply a lot less expensive than producing 1550 nanometers. And so we have a bit of a paradox, right? It's a, it's a bit of a tricky thing. How do you get, then, this, this less expensive solution to produce LiDAR, which goes far enough down the road to be practically useful at freeway speeds? Well, now you understand why companies like Innoviz are such a big deal. We discussed them quite a bit in the past. They're the company that partnered up with BMW. They're going to be releasing a, uh, I believe it's going to be the first vehicle for consumers in 2021 with solid-state LiDAR. And again, it is going to be operating at 905 nanometers, but Innoviz's secret sauce is they figured out a way to effectively get the 905 nanometers to go sufficiently far down the road so as to be useful at freeway speed. So there you have it. Hopefully that sheds some light uh, pun not intended, on the difference and indeed the difficulties regarding 905 nanometer and 1550 nanometer LiDAR. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey there, just a friendly reminder. If you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave me five stars on iTunes. And don't forget to follow me on all social media at Autonomous Hogue. So another day, another idiot sleeping in their Tesla with autopilot driving the car. Uh, look, I couldn't resist the somewhat tongue-in-cheek tone of this last segment for today's episode. For all we know, maybe the fellow in the car suffered some sort of medical issue, in which case I hope this person is okay. Um, look, uh, let's just get one thing out of the way. A Tesla, as good as its autopilot system is, it is decidedly not an autonomous vehicle. It is a very good level two system. And I also, I think I mentioned in the past, I recently had the chance to test drive uh, a Model 3. I got all the way from San Francisco up to Marin County with zero disengagements. This, this of course, was kind of around 11 p.m. at night, so not too many, too many cars on the road. But suffice to say, look, it works really, really well. But it's not a fully autonomous system. You can't go to sleep at the wheel. You can't watch a movie. You can't do the lots of other things either, um, you gotta, you've got to pay attention, and that's all there is to it. So for anybody who thinks it's all right to go to sleep at the wheel, as an aside, no idea how that's even possible with all of Tesla's um, you know, safety measures in place to ensure that you are, in fact, paying attention. Like, you know, autopilot will disengage if you're not paying attention and if it's asked you to you know, put your hands on the wheels and you don't. So I don't know what's going on here. That said, this is not the first time we've heard of it, and sadly, I'm sure it won't be the last. All right. Taking a somewhat more serious angle to all this, though, if you remember uh, a few, I don't know, a few weeks ago, perhaps, a similar thing was discovered where there was a driver on the, I think it was the 280 or the 101 freeway going through Silicon Valley, and police officers discovered someone had also fallen asleep at the wheel. Uh, I think that perhaps this driver was actually drunk. And anyway, they, they had the quick thinking idea to pull in front of the Tesla, realizing that it was somehow still on autopilot and that it would therefore bring itself to a stop, which of course it did. 
look, um, falling asleep, allowing yourself to fall asleep at the wheel is a no good, terrible, very bad idea. And you're an idiot and hugely negligent for endangering yourself, not to mention everybody else around you. Full stop. That said, we have to realize a thing here and admit something. If either or both or any such drivers should pass out due to a medical issue, or rather more benignly, if they just pass out because they just plain fell asleep at the wheel, which has been happening to human drivers since humans were driving. This happens. Yes, it's negligent to drive when you're so sleepy. That's not the issue. The issue is, does it happen? It does. Well, if Tesla's autopilot has prevented an accident which would otherwise have occurred because you passed out for whatever reason, that is undeniably a win. I mean, but for Tesla in those cases, those drivers would surely be seriously injured or dead, not to mention other drivers or pedestrians on the road around them. So moral of the story is, I guess, don't be an idiot. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. Um, or if you do fall asleep at the wheel, you better hope you're inside of a Tesla with autopilot, I guess. That's all I got on this. All right, well, there you have it. That's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back here on Friday for, you know, I just realized I forgot to do Friday poll day last Friday. So sorry about that. I promise it will be back this Friday. See you back here then. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye-bye.